Hi, and welcome to the latest Trending Tech podcast, brought to you by the technology sites Vanilla Plus, IoT Now, and The Evolving Enterprise. I'm co-founder Jeremy Cowan, and it's great to have you here for the latest, sometimes serious, sometimes light-hearted look at digital transformation for enterprises. Today on the podcast, I'm really pleased to be joined by Julia O'Toole, the founder and CEO of Mycena Security Solutions. Today, we're taking another look at the fast-changing subject of automotive technology, in particular, securing vehicles and passengers. Like many of us, Julia saw her number of passwords rise from two or three to hundreds in the last two decades. And unable to remember them all, she tried all kinds of solutions, from password books to password managers, but discarded them all because of their lack of security. Her solution involved decades of personal research in the fields of neuroscience, mathematics, and technology. But it was a trip back in time that actually triggered the solution. Julia, first of all, welcome to the Trending Tech Podcast. Hi, Jeremy. Uh, thanks very much for having me. Great to have you. And tell us, it sounds a bit back to the future. What was your trip back in time and how did it help with a password solution? So what's quite a few years ago now, uh, we um, as a family traveled to uh, Greece uh, and uh, visited the ancient Greek city of Mycena. So it's a 2,500 year old city. And um, it struck me when I walked through the ancient ruins that uh, the ancient Greeks had done something really smart. They've uh, created layers of security. Uh, so when you first enter the city, you could see the lion's uh, gate uh, with the two lions, which are still there. And uh, once you were got into, into the city, there was another gate to take you to the garrison. And once you were in the garrison, there was another gate to take you to the king's palace. And I thought this layered security was actually uh, the clue to how to secure passwords uh, in, ha- in not having a single point of failure. So you could actually have all of your uh, non-sensitive passwords in the outer layer, the medium-sensitive uh, passwords in the, the silver medium layer, and uh, the most sensitive passwords, like for your bank, if you had diamonds and gold uh, stored somewhere with a you know with a password in the gold level. So that's the origin of Mycena comes from the solution that we created. I think that's fascinating. Well, as usual, we're going to start with a look at a recent news story in the tech space. And then we're going to hear more from Julia about the impact her work is having in the automotive sector. And when all of that's covered in our closing section called What the Tech, Julia and I will take a sideways look at a story that made me raise an amused and amazed eyebrow. So tell us about the story, the news story that caught your attention, Julia. Where was it and what's it about? So it's a story from the Hacker News um, where the, um, there were some criminals uh, who could uh, jam or send, send a, a signal uh, to the, uh, the chargers of electric vehicles to uh, stop the vehicles from charging. And so um, I thought, you know, I have a math background and I'm always interested in patterns. And I thought this uh, broken wire story was a typical disruption pattern, uh, you know, used in a in a you know, modern vehicle charging situation, uh, where the criminal just tampers the signal between the sender and the receiver. Um, so in this case, the uh, car company are using uh, a PLC, which is a power line communication for charging, and that allows the malicious uh, uh, actors to interfere with the signal. In this case, using electromagnetic signals, uh, which cause the charging process to stop. 
And so this is a serious design flow uh, that uh, we uh, see in millions of cars, which can have a huge impact on, uh, for example, for fueling, uh, fueling ambulances uh, when uh, they need to, to actually be somewhere. Uh, so uh, it can actually have life uh, implications. And uh, what we can think about is uh, these, uh, these uh, design flaws could, in the future, create a large recall of vehicles, a bit like what happened in Dieselgate. It's a bit of a bottle of flight effect from a little uh, story that you find on the internet. You could actually see it as the beginning of a, of a much larger story. One of the uh, things that I liked about the story is a uh, is a typical illustrations of the lack of foresight with digital risks uh, when it comes to new technology, uh, and uh, how technology often looks bright, shiny, promising. And for the last few decades, most people have just uh, you know rushed through taking the new technology on board, uh, only seeing the advantages, but overlooking the potential vulnerabilities, risks, and downsides. We've been through a breakfast, uh, fix later mentality uh, that dominated innovation in the last few decades. Uh, where in this particular instance with uh, with vehicles, you deploy first and you fix design flaws later. So uh, it's just an illustration of the trends we've been living in uh, you know, more largely uh, in the last few decades. Yeah. So if we're driving electric vehicles uh, right now, is this a threat we should worry about now or is this something that's being taken care of? Well, uh, there's actually uh, much more uh, threats that uh, concern ve- electric vehicles that, you know, with all the uh, communication internet-facing communication that the car has, uh, all of them actually potential entry for for criminals uh, who can actually hijack your car or tamper on signals. The driver actually does not control the car. And we may touch upon it when we answer your other questions, uh, but it's a serious matter for the auto industry. Yeah. I know Powerline Communications has been an absolute godsend for all sorts of um, in-building communications. I wasn't aware that uh, that was being used for uh, by the charging firms. Does that mean that charging firms, do you think, are going to need to change their connectivity to more costly alternatives like 4G or 5G? Or is that still up for decision? I think it's up for decisions. One of uh, the things that I, I'm a big advocate for is actually mixing uh, mechanical technology with digital technology as having a, a layer of physical um, bounds that prevents the attack uh, which are remote from succeeding. But uh, I see this as a, as a much more safe way to, to go forward rather than just rely on, uh, on digital. Yeah. Julia, I'd like to drill down a bit into Mycena's work. Um, Clearly, organisations can lose control of their network access when employees create their own keys and passwords. So am I right in saying Mycena has patented solutions to segment, control and protect that access? Uh, And if so, is is that in order to eliminate the risk of human error and theft and fraud? Yeah, to, to give you a bigger overview of the situation, the problem that we have identified at first uh, was uh, that uh, there's a big confusion uh, in, uh, in business in general uh, uh, between authentication and identification, which has created a labyrinth of, uh, of problems. But in general, um, when you need, to, you need to identify yourself, when you need to prove your identity, so uh, when you want to cross a border, uh, when you want to vote, when you sit an exam, so these are cases where you need to show who, are, who you are to someone else. And then you have the cases uh, when uh, you don't need to show identity, you just need to have a key. So, for example, when you go home, your door doesn't look at you and ask, is it Jeremy? You, know, you have the key, you open. If you don't have the key, you don't open. And uh, it's the same with your car. If you don't have the, 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 the key, you can, you can go in. Otherwise, you can't. Um, 
But the, the confusion has uh, really created a mixed match of uh, solutions which have you know, amplified the problem of uh, access insecurity. So when it comes to uh, uh, authentication itself, the misconception about uh, password is that you actually need to know them. Uh, because when you think about it, when you go home, you don't hammer your key before you, you enter. You just yeah. stick it out of your pocket and uh, you, you you put it in the lock. You can uh, unlock the door. So uh, similarly, this whole uh, fuss about password is completely unnecessary. No one needs to know a password ever. And uh, and so what we've done with Mycena is say, your passwords can be encrypted. It can actually be a billion characters in the future when we have quantum computers. So uh, it's, uh, it doesn't really matter how long it is and what it is. All it matters is that you um, have the key uh, to access an account or a vehicle or a, a door where you have the right to access. And um, and for that, uh, that key can be distributed, encrypted by the company to the user uh, in real time and then taken off the user, uh, just like it would happen when someone leaves a company in a in the physical world. They take the badges, keys and and, uh, and fobs off the uh, of you when you leave the company. So you take these uh, passwords off uh, which no one has ever seen, and then the the, the user can't can't get in anymore. So that's the uh, the whole idea about uh, Mycena is uh, is to make the uh, access security that concerns authentication, so not identification, just authentication, the same as as in the physical world. So does that mean that you think multi-factor authentication doesn't work in automotive and other business sectors? Well, to answer this question, I need to redefine what MFA is and and what it is for. Uh, So MFA, what is it exactly? um, MFA means multi-factor authentication. So it means it can be a second or third or fourth or or more factor authentication, uh, which means it's not a first factor. And it's often a a token that is sent to one of your devices, which you have to click to accept or copy and paste. Its purpose is to verify that the person with the right of access and has the first factor uh, can verify that this person has the right key and can enter. And uh, and that first factor at the moment is usually a password or binary. But the problem is, as we've seen, seen earlier, the first factor is weak in the first place when uh, the company does not even control that first factor. And that first factor can be a password uh, that is uh, weak, reused, uh, fished, shared, stolen. I mean, anything can happen to that first factor. It has zero security. And if it's a biometric, it's even worse because if you lose it, you can't replace it. So uh, we um, in a situation where the first factor is uh, subject to so many issues, uh, including man in the middle of attacks, just like we saw in the, you know, in the broken wire story where uh, someone has tampered on the signal, uh, then your second factor becomes de facto your first factor. And uh, it's also easily intercepted. Therefore, it doesn't work. But, uh, and that's a, there's a big but, MFA is actually very good when it's used uh, as in its in, uh, original purpose, which is as a second, third or fourth uh, or more factor of authentication. And while it's well designed, it can still work in automotive and other sectors. So it's all about using it in the right place at the right time. Understood. So if it can work in automotive, um, just looking at the negative for a second, where has MFA failed businesses in the past? In in what sectors or in what applications? Actually, uh, I would say uh, because of the problem we've, um, you know, just I just mentioned in the, in the beginning, uh, you know, the confusion of authentication, identification, and, uh, and, and companies actually not controlling the first factor, it's failed because it's not, you know, used in its purpose as a second, third or fourth factor. If it's used uh, with the first factor, which is strong and reliable, uh, like uh, what we offer, so uh, a password which is encrypted, that no one sees, that can't be intercepted, uh, that travels through a tunnel from creation 
uh, used to expiry uh, that cannot be tampered with, then uh, MFA gives you security. Otherwise, it just provides a false sense of security and should be not relied upon. Yeah. So do you think that uh, end users are um, appreciating the difference between authentication and identification? Um, absolutely not. <laughs> and the, the reason <laughs> uh, the reason is, uh, is uh, our brain is actually uh, in the digital world extremely incapable <laughs> to, uh, to perceive any danger. I mean, our, our brain has evolved to... Um, adapt to the physical environment. So when we see a lion, we run usually, <laughs> but digitally, most people don't know what is digital risk, whether it's um, with regarding the data, their privacy, when they give their biometrics away, you know, they click without really understanding where it goes and uh, the, the incapacity of the brain to actually visualize uh, the path and the risks um, make it such that people don't see the difference between uh, you know, what is dangerous and what is not. Lastly, can you help me understand what techniques we can use to re-establish command and control of our vehicles and, and of our businesses as a whole? I'm going to come back to uh, multi-factor authentication because I think we can actually use the concept of multi-factor uh, to secure a lot of things. And uh, in, the ter- in the case of car, for example, uh, I can see the, uh, the mixing mechanical and digital security, for example. So I can imagine when you approach your car, you can use your fob within a short distance of the vehicle. And, uh, but once in a car, you actually need the physical key to start the engine. And then you can think of a third a level of authentication, which is a multi-factor, like a digital token, a password that only you have that you can actually send to the car to actually start it. So you get then three factors of authentication, all different, uh, that can really give you more, much more security in who controls your car rather than the uh, single digital layer that we have today. And uh, for businesses as a whole, the first need is actually to stop confusing authentication identification and uh, for business to stop using the, the uh, employees' identities, especially when they have no data access control, as we've seen earlier, uh, you just uh, risk all these digital, uh, digital identities, which are just strings of zeros and ones to get stolen. And we know that it has happened so many times. And once it's gone, it's gone. They, you can't be, they can't be replaced. You can't replace your eyes or your, your hands. It's extremely dangerous. And that really has to be stopped. And then mm-hmm. to secure authentication uh, for businesses, they really first need to segment access to every system. So we, we should stop seeing stories of one password has you know, led to the breach of a system and then another system and another system within you know, a few hours, like what we've seen with Okta not long ago. It, this scenario should not be able to actually uh, happen. Uh, so a segment, segment, segment every system uh, so that uh, you lose um, the minimum possible if you are breached, uh, let's say, in a supply chain attacks and one of your system is breached. Uh, but then you know that all the other systems that you have um, are still uh, trustworthy, reliable and are not compromised. So at least you actually uh, limit the damages if, if there's a breach. Similarly to uh, if someone comes into your house and uh, come through your, your bathroom window, uh, they can see your toothbrush and your toothpaste, but they can't actually go inside your, uh, you know, the other rooms in your house to steal other things. I'd say segment, segment, and then uh, make sure that uh, the, uh, the, the business controls the access, uh, distributes strong encrypted passwords to the users and not the other way around, uh, come back to common sense, and then uh, and expire those credentials when the, uh, the employee leaves. And all of this can be done. Again, technology exists. It's just about of using it uh, in the right place at the right time. All of which sounds, you know, just good sense as much as anything. And uh, layered security has got to be an advantage. I hope that people are applying this and are listening to this lesson. That's really helpful, Julia. Thank you.
We've reached the lighter section of the pod called What the Tech, where we share something tech-based that uh, made us smile. And the story that I spotted was on autocar.co.uk, headlined EV across the outback, charging a car with chip fat. And it described one Australian's environmentally friendly efforts to set up an electric vehicle charging station 250 miles from anywhere in the middle of the Nullarbor Plain. The town of Keguna may be remote, but it is on the main road running from southern to western Australia. So it's an important route. Um, There's no mains electricity there, however. So John Edwards, a retired engineer from Perth, apparently came up with the idea of developing a generator modified to run on chip fat from three nearby diners. And if you're not an Aussie or a Brit, we're talking about waste oil from cooking fries. Together, they create 60 litres of waste oil per month in these diners. And the main problem for now is that that's only enough to charge three vehicles. But crowdfunding has been raised and has paid the $70,000 cost of building each new generator. And in January, Edwards installed the first of his biofill units in Keguna. Apparently, it now powers a very welcome 50 kilowatt EV charger for electric vehicles driving across the plain. Uh, I did not expect to be talking about chip fat on the podcast, but there you go, Julia. What did you make of this? I love the story because I, you know, it really shows how crafty people can be and uh, how you know, there are crafty people living everywhere, even in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and uh, really showing that uh, you don't have to be in London or in New York to do innovation. <laughs> it can come from the outback. And, uh, and obviously, I love the fact that you so easily, I probably say, turn waste into energy, um, which is something that I've I always loved uh, in, um, when I observe nature, how nature permanently recycles itself and use waste and turn it into energy. And I think if we can all do that with our other waste, uh, the, we as a human species have a better chance to keep our planet uh, more livable uh, for ourselves uh, in the future. Yeah, there is definitely a lesson for us all there. Uh, and kudos to John Edwards and, of course, to Autocar uh, for the story. Um, in fact, if you're interested in any of the stories that we ever talk about, you will find links to them in our transcript alongside this podcast. So uh, go and have a look at the transcript to follow up uh, on the story. And for the same reason, how can people find you for more information, Julia? Um, so uh, they can go on our website, mycena.co, that's M-Y-C-E-N-A.co. Um, otherwise, uh, they can send us an email at info at and uh, someone will re- reply to them. That's great. Well, look, thank you so much for your contribution today. I've learned a lot and I think there's a great deal that all of us can learn and apply to our businesses generally, but possibly it's uh, of particular interest in this instance for the automotive sector. Thank you, Julia. Thank you so much, Jeremy, for having me. It's great to be here. And thank you too, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us around the world. You can subscribe to the Trending Tech Podcast wherever you found us today. And I know I'm at risk of sounding like a stuck vinyl, but go on, be a hero. Give us a five-star rating. Tell everyone how much you've enjoyed it because it makes a massive difference to our ranking when people are looking for a new podcast. Until next time, keep safe. Keep checking iot-now.com 
theee.ai and vanillaplus.com where you'll find other tech news and interviews and join us again soon for another trending tech podcast looking at enterprise digital transformation bye for now